Alright, well welcome to this episode of the Texas Tech Edition of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jackson Moody. It is our first August episode of the year, and we got a lot to talk about with it. Colorado is officially in the Big 12. Who may follow them next? But we got to start out with Emmett Jones. Uh, He had some comments yesterday. He had some comments yesterday, and we're going to talk about that. Um, In in addition to that, we're going to preview... The quarterbacks and running backs today on the roster. Um, we may even get to the four strings and talk a little bit about Will Burns. And then I'm going to give you one thing I'm excited to watch for in every Big 12 team this season. Here we go. So, Emmett Jones, um, we know that he left Texas Tech in not the best terms, uh, to say the least. He may or may not have been recruiting on Texas Tech's dime. Um, after already taking the OU, or basically in theory taking the OU job, he may have been recruiting for Oklahoma on text dime. But he had a comment today, and you know how he how he went about the leaving Texas Tech wasn't good in itself. It really wasn't. At the end of the day, I feel like we we got a fine coach to replace him. It doesn't feel like we're losing any steam there. Um, but. Emmett Jones decided to open his mouth today. This is from Parker Thune, um, who, if you would remember the OU game last year, he was a guy that claimed he got hit with a battery. He's not the problem in this one. I'm. He's just. He's a reporter for Oklahoma. He's reporting what the coach is saying. But he says Emmett Jones says when he took the job as Texas Tech's receivers coach in December 2021, the Red Raider staff told him not to keep in touch with Gavin Freeman who at the time was committed to Tech. Quote, I got a text saying, don't talk to him anymore. We're trying to separate, end quote. All right, so a lot to unpack here. And the first time I heard about this going on, I thought, oh, that's kind of messed up. But this is how it goes in college sports. Um, It it, it just really is. you're, You're supposed to honor your offer to them you kind of you cut off contact to let them know it's not it's they're not really wanted and to look elsewhere and is it the best way to go about it? no probably not it probably isn't uh but it's it's something that every single program does and if you're not doing this as a program it's because the coach coming in isn't recruiting that well and needs to keep those guys that that's really what it is so this is no fault of Joey McGuire, it's just an ugly piece of the business. And Emmett Jones going out and publicizing this is just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. And first off, you don't air something like this. You you don't air this out to the public. And you know that Emmett Jones messed up because that tweet was deleted. He had him delete that tweet because he knew he screwed up the second he saw that tweet. Without a doubt. And now it actually grew because Gavin Freeman, the kid who, by the way, this guy was a low three-star. He had three offers, one power five offer from Texas Tech. I'm sorry. This is on Matt Wells for for being the only power five coach to think this kid should have been on a power five roster or was worth that scholarship. Gavin Freeman said, quote, it's not hard to tell when you're not wanted. Stuff like this can really hurt a player and his confidence, especially when you're only 
when it's your only P5 offer. But it didn't affect me. Why are you tweeting about it? Because I knew the player I was, and people wonder why I took on took a walk-on over a full-ride scholarship. End quote. Then he quote tweeted that, saying, and it had nothing to do with Coach Jones. All on the head coach. He makes those decisions. Okay. Okay. So first off, on Gavin Freeman. This is a bad spot for him to be in. To only have one Power 5 offer and to have a coaching change. And it really sucks for him. He was also a lifelong OU fan. He had to go and take a preferred walk-on with OU. He got three catches last season and got put on scholarship. So you know what? At the end of the day, this guy is now at his dream school on a scholarship playing football for them. So it worked out pretty well for him. Congrats to him. He overcame that. Also, from Joey McGuire's point of view, you have 85 guys that you have to put on scholarship. You have another 15 to 30 that you're going to carry on the roster or practice squad. You have a fan base that's going to the games. You sell out 60,000 people in the stadium. You have donors paying large sums of money. You have an entire university depending on growing this football team. What's more important? Doing things a little bit ugly with one player or everything else I just mentioned. It's clearly everything else I just mentioned. And the thing he did is something every single coach does. And by the way, just OU has really been getting under my... Really been annoying lately. First, you had the battery claims. You had them taking the Cheez-It spot. Um, or the Cheez-It Bowl spot. Then, it was last offseason that Brent Venables came out and said... If you still want to take visits to other schools, don't commit. We don't want you. Okay, so he's criticizing all that. A couple weeks ago, he goes and takes a player from that was committed to Tech. So obviously, he, he, that program's okay with doing it one way, just not the other way. I'm sure Brent Venables didn't respond to some, uh, some Lincoln-Riley commits. Pretty sure of that. And then you hire the wide receiver coach, and there's a very good chance there was tampering involved to try to get Duran Bradley. You couldn't do that. And now your wide receiver coach is making these comments, airing dirty laundry. And I'll tell you what, Emmett Jones better hope it pans out at OU. Because after doing this, the way he went about it last time, or in December, January, whenever he left for OU, and then coming out and saying this in July, that that did not just burn some bridges with the tech staff. That just, he, he put explosives on them. He put a nuclear bomb on that bridge and just blew it up right there. I mean, he just nuked the bridge. And it, it's going to be something that's going to hurt him, hurt him in coaching circles for years to come. And it's just ridiculous after what he did to open his mouth, talk about this, talk about a common practice to use that to not just negatively recruit against Texas Tech, but to do it publicly. To do it publicly is absurd. And this is a guy that played at Tech. It, it's really confusing what the heck he's thinking right here. And then the tweet gets deleted, and then you have the player post a picture of the tweet. I mean... 
my God, like, okay, maybe they wanted that to get out. Maybe they want to recruit negatively off it. It's it's amazing. I, I know he got a raise from Joey McGuire. Maybe he's mad that he didn't get the head coaching uh, McGuire wouldn't give him the head coaching position or something, but man, this is just ridiculous levels of petty from Emmett Jones here. And this guy, I was really high on him last year, but he's really turned into a little bit of a BIT. All right, I had to cut some of that, but I'm good now. So let's move on to conference realignment. Um, if I think about anything more about OU, that makes me mad. And by the way, next week I'll do one thing I hate about every Big 12 school. So OU and Texas may get a bit lengthy. But um, moving on to conference realignment, Arizona, or I'm sorry, Colorado has officially joined. I We need college football back because I actually watched that Board of Regents meeting. By the way, it took 20 minutes of deliberation, then the vote took less than a minute. It was unanimous. CU is joining the Big 12. They will be in for next football season, which should be very exciting. I really hope we go to Boulder, not just because I live by there, but I, I also I've lived there for three years and have not been to that stadium. I, I really need to go this year. But CU, I I've been to some basketball games. I just want to give you a, y'all a quick breakdown on them, and I'm sure the older people that are listening to this remember going there. If y'all have been to Boulder. Um, the Football stadium I, I've never been to. I know they sold out their like parents' weekend or whatever when they were one in five, which was really impressive. Um, their basketball arena stinks. It really does. They basically have uh, what like a radio tower or something like that that they had extra of, and they decided to just hang their goals 50 feet from the top of the ceiling instead of just putting up stands like normal human beings so I don't have a clue what they were thinking there uh the USA is not in any concern of being passed for the best um basketball arena or in the best basketball arena in the big 12 list the they have bleachers on the side so if you don't want to sit in the bleachers you got to sit in the middle don't sit behind the goals um, it's kind of a cool arena. They still have troughs in their bathroom. It it has this old time, old school feel, which I kind of like. But I like CSU's better in Fort Collins because theirs is it, it feels more old school than theirs. Um, but it's it's a fine basketball. It, it it's not a fine basketball stadium. It's not a good one. It's a cool one to experience. It's not one you'd probably want to go to every game if it was your team, but if you make the trip out there, it's worth watching one game every year, every few years there. It's a cool experience. It's a it's a cool arena. It's not one that I'd want to watch at, at my team play every game in. But CU is a huge addition because the Pac-12, they're going to have a good football season this year. They they have a lot of good quarterbacks. UCLA will be good. Obviously, Caleb Williams and USC. Utah should be good again. Uh, CU has a good quarterback. Um, I don't think their team's going to be that good. I think they'll probably go 4-8, and 5-7. and seven. I think they're growing into it. Oregon State's going to be good. Oregon's going to be good. They have Bo Nix. Um, you have Washington with Penix. Uh, obviously, DJ Ugalele is at Oregon State. So they're going to be a very interesting t- uh, league this year. 
But this is a crippling blow. Because two of the, I believe I mentioned seven teams, two of the seven teams are leaving the conference. By the way, Arizona has good quarterback play. We'll get to them in a second. But two of the teams are leaving the conference. Now a third is joining. And you have USC, UCLA, that LA area. You lose your two biggest brands. Now you have your biggest storyline of the season with Deion Sanders gone. Or of the remaining 10, easily the biggest storyline. Now you have two more selling points in Oregon and Washington that could both be leaving. Utah, look, Utah's great. They're not even the biggest school in Utah, though. They're, they're not as nationally or even in the state of Utah as well-liked as BYU is. And Oregon State, I, I think their football program, I really enjoy watching them. I, I, I think they'll be in the Pac-12 championship game this year, but they don't move the needle at all. They really don't. And it's just, it's a crippling blow. And if they lose Arizona too, it's the death nail. And that seems to be the one that's next. Jason Shear, I believe it was Jason Shear that was saying, it's beyond likely that Arizona will join the Big 12. And there may be some hitches to this. So we'll go through this step by step. The Big, Tw- the Pac-12 present their media deal. The number is between 20 and $22 million, And there are add-ons. And basically you get $1 per subscription. And it's just really not worth it. It just, it isn't. Not only do you need to get Apple TV, but you have to get the Pac-12 add-on. So it's like 45 bucks a year for Apple TV. Then you have to pay another 20 bucks for Pac-12 After Dark. Or you can just watch Mountain West football. And by the way, at that point at night, you really don't care what you're watching. People are betting on Hawaii at that point at night. In addition to that, with this incentive thing, you have to remember the Pac-12 network, Larry Scott sold it as there's going to be incentives in this. And then, and there was a low, a medium, and a high. And what they actually got out of it was worse than their low. And my manager, he's a CU fan. He, he even told me, like, he has to go to a sports bar to watch the games normally to watch CU play. Like, nobody gets the Pac-12 network. And it's on at weird times, too. It's like noon, and there's a game on. And normally you have, uh, I believe I'm talking noon mountain here. It could have been noon central, actually. But it was either 12 or 1 central. And normally it's the 11, then the 2 or 2.30. And they're putting it on, like, in the middle in the middle of a window to have a noon kickoff. And I believe it was CU Minnesota that I was watching. And it's just... It's really weird that why see you playing at noon local time instead of 1.30 or 5 p.m. or a late night game. It, it doesn't really make any sense. And also, Apple TV. Remember, MOS went with Apple TV. MOS had to, Apple TV had to give up a share of what they make to Messi to bring him in because they were so far behind on what they would thought they would get subscription wise it just this model if they go with this is not a good model now the big 12 has a pretty good model where you have espn you have fox you have your linear options then some are on espn plus and it's kind of worth it i i think espn plus is worth it and now i don't like our game against kansas state being on espn plus last year 
but it's worth it to get the subscription. At least they have a bunch of things that, a bunch of sports documentaries that I like, and then you have basketball, which still I have issues with how that was scheduled. But then you get the full baseball season. You can watch every Big 12 game on there, except for UT. Thank God they're leaving, although going to miss them for baseball. But the Big 12, at least it has a good model where, okay, if you're having to watch on ESPN+, Plus, you can pay $5 a month. Maybe you get one or two of your team's games out of it. You could cancel it, or it's probably more than five now. You can cancel it if you want. If not, you can keep it. Watch every basketball game, every baseball game. This one, you're you're paying sixty-five bucks, and that's the only way you're seeing a game. Only way you're seeing a game is to go show out sixty-five bucks for it. And it's for a conference that typically, and I know this year will be interesting, but typically is not very good. It's not going to have USC. It's not going to have UCLA. I'm pretty sure it's not going to have DJ Ugalele. It's not going to have Bo Nix in it. it. It's not going to have the Deion Sanders story in it. I mean, what really are you getting out of this? What are you getting by paying for that? And now Arizona seems like the next school to fall here. And Arizona would be a good ad. I know two years ago they went 1-11. They lost to Northern Arizona. I'm not sure if maybe they beat CU. That may have been their win. But they went 5-7 and seven last year. Jetfish has it going in the right direction. They have good QB play this year. There's every reason to think that Arizona can make a bowl game this year. Just two years removed from going 1-11 and 11 and heading into the Big 12. And that would be a great addition to the Big 12. And seems more likely than not. I know there's these reports out there that them, Arizona State... And Utah are banding together. And look, at the end of the day, you got to realize you don't have that much power. You don't have that much power if you're Arizona. And it's tough because they share a board of regents with Arizona State. And the Big the Big 12 would have to go back to Fox and ask for permission to go to 16 teams. Or you can tell them, all right, Arizona can come. Arizona State and Utah can come. Arizona gets the full share. But... You get about 20-ish million from, from ESPN. You get about 12-ish million from Fox. You can tell Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, okay, Arizona can come for the full share. Arizona State and Utah can get the 20 million a year. And if we can't get Fox to agree, that's all you're getting. But it's the same as what you're getting in the Pac-12. But now you're getting more exposure and you'll be in a better position at your next TV deal in six, seven years to get that full share. All right, but now for Texas Tech. We have some quarterbacks to talk about. Obviously, Tyler Shuck's going to be the starter. And I got to say, he really won me over in those last few games. Really, the last two games, Kansas, he played fine. He had that stinker against TCU before that when he came in off the bench. But he played fine against Kansas. Um, he did his job against Iowa State, and then he absolutely lit up OU. He absolutely lit them up. And then he did the same thing to Ole Miss, and the most impressive thing for me was a guy who had two not-quite-season-ending injuries, but long-term injuries with his collarbone, ducking his shoulder, running over Ole Miss defenders. One point, he slid got hit in the head as he was sliding, happened a second time, no ejections for Ole Miss, and he just kept ducking his shoulder. He he seems like a baller now, 
And I know there were some QB rankings that came out on this website. And look, I can't blame the guy. I put Dylan Gabriel number one when I did those rankings last year. And I completely missed on Max Duggan. So I get it. But yeah, Tyler Shook's going to be one of the top five quarterbacks in the league this year. If not one of the top three, if not the best one. And then right behind him, you got Bear Morton. And we all saw that game against Oklahoma State. We saw that game against West Virginia. Um, obviously, his season basically ended against TCU after really a bad first quarter, first half against Baylor. But by the but Joey McGuire really handcuffed him by taking him out when he started getting something going and doing that switching that he did with the quarterbacks. And Donovan Smith throws that pick, and game pretty much ends there. But you got to be really confident in what you have with those two guys. I mean, there's not too much to talk about with them. Everybody's already seen them, and we're going to talk about them much more. Behind them, you have Jake Strong. Um, we got to hope it doesn't come to Jake Strong. Not because he's not talented, because he definitely is. The more film I watch on him, he has some good movement. He has he, the balls he throws are really well, and I'll tell you what. He's better than Texas's third string Arch Manning or more ready this season because He's been playing against much better opposition, and he's been making pretty much the same play as Arch was, despite being just a three-star. It's going to be... The quarterback position's not a position of worry for me. When your third string's a promising freshman, you're in good position. You just got to hope they stay healthy. And Bear Morton's been gaining weight. I mean, he looks nothing like he looked his freshman season. And then the fourth string would be the guy who started in Gainesville for us at shortstop, Will Burns, which, by the way, before anybody says, ah, we, we're not going to see him. I, I've, I'm a Texans fan. I remember waiting over a decade to watch the Texans play in a playoff game, and that playoff game was started by freaking TJ Yates, our third string. So, it, you know what? If I see Will Burns trotting out in eight, Jones AT, not uh, Jerry World, not Jones, but Jerry World for a Big 12 championship game as our fourth string. You know, after what I've been through with the Texans, it wouldn't surprise me. But it's going to be really good at the quarterback position. Running backs, we lose Sir Roderick Thompson. We lose Sir Roderick Thompson. And that was one that is, it's a loss for sure. But I was kind of okay to see him go because I felt like it was time for Taj Brooks to take over. Last season, Taj Brooks had 147 carries, 691 yards, 4.7 average, 7 touchdowns. He also had 27 receptions for over 150 yards, so he's a good dual threat back. Um, He's clearly going to be the number one guy. The real question is going to be the number two guy. Is it going to be Bryson Donnell, or is it going to be Cameron Valdez? It seems like Cameron Valdez may be the favorite, but... Both have flashed pretty well. Uh, so Cameron Valdez, 18 carries, 169 yards, 9.4 yards a carry. He had no receptions. He uh, had six carries the year before that, but 9.4 yards a carry. Obviously, he's not going to average that. But if you pair him with, um, I'm sorry, Taj Brooks, you have a really good one-two punch, and your number three isn't bad at all either. Bryson Donnell, I'm surprised he only got 16 carries because I feel like I saw more of him last season. But I got 16 carries as a true freshman for 72 yards. This 1-2-3 in running back, there is a lot of promise. There's not as much proven as you had 
when you had Sir Roderick Thompson, Taj Brooks coming back last year. But when you look at Cameron Valdez and Bryson Donnell, it's going to be a really interesting battle this fall camp to see who's number two to Taj Brooks. Because whoever number two is, is going to get over 100 carries this year. And I'm not worried if either one of them are that number two. If they're pushing each other and one of them emerges as better, I'm going to have full faith in that. All right, now one thing that I want to watch from every Big 12 team this year, and we'll start on the East Coast. I want to see if Neil Brown is actually going to run the ball this year for West Virginia because he's still calling plays. He has all the personnel to be able to run teams to death. And he has Garrett Green, who I like Garrett Green, but he's not one of the top ten, top seven quarterbacks, probably even, not even one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the Big 12. It's going to be really interesting to see if Neil Brown can go away from throwing the ball nonstop. Another East Coast team is Cincinnati. And Cincinnati... I have no clue how their coach got the job, but he has been recruiting pretty well. I want to see what his game management looks like this year because it's going to be a bad year for Cincinnati. Will Cincinnati be able to, uh, I don't know, I, how I describe it with Matt Wells is I was, I was okay with him when he was hired. I was optimistic. Then there were some games I was watching where it was like, Two or three times I just looked at the clock management and was like, that looks off. And this is even before he went for he kicked a field goal and missed it on second down against TCU. But it was like simple things about when you take the timeout, when they're obviously going to run it, when he was taking his timeouts. And it was like, man, he missed on some game management op- opportunities there. I think there was one maybe against Kansas State his first year that, and I'm trying to remember five, six years back, that he – didn't take a timeout so he could save it for the other drive, but then they got to run the clock down an extra 40 seconds, which, look, it's nice to have that timeout, but that just doesn't make any sense. For UCF, I really want to see more of their quarterback. I want to see what Plumlee does for UCF this season. Um, I saw on the Heartland rankings he was ranked above Tyler Shuck, which I disagree with, but I he is a quarterback I'm very interested in. And it'll be interesting to see what he does. I'm going to go to the Midwest schools. Uh, For Kansas State, this is actually, this one interests me a lot. His name is Treshawn Ward. So obviously they're losing Deuce Vaughn. But Treshawn Ward, he's 5'10". He was at Florida State. Last season, he had 95 carries for 628 yards for a 6.6 average and 7 touchdowns. The year before that, He had 81 carries for 515 yards for a 6.4 average and four touchdowns. He's also a threat out of the passing game, or he was in 2021. He got 21 passes for nearly 200 yards in 2021, but it regressed to six catches for 19 yards in 2022. I really want to see how they use this guy. He's a good transfer to add to replace Deuce Vaughn. And he's 5'10", which is important because Kansas State hates people that are at least 5'10". or at least six foot or over. They hate having them play for them, obviously, because it's always some short guy killing us at the end of games, whether it's basketball or football. But uh, moving on, it's I'm really interested to see what happens with him. For Kansas, I want to see what happens with their defense. If their defense improves, they could be a 7-8 win football team this year. 
If it doesn't, is Jalen Daniels going to be... And Kansas has a good core of young secondary players. But are they going to be able to keep the momentum going? Or are they going to be regressed back to 4-8 and eight next year? Because people have more film on Jalen Daniels. It's going to be very interesting. Iowa State, I want to see who the heck starts at the quarterback. Because it broke last night that Hunter Deckers is not in fall camp. He's being investigated for... Um, for gambling on games. And I will say the perfect Big 12 weekend has to be a casino with Hunter Deckers on Friday, bar uh beers on Saturday with Bob Huggins, maybe go-karts after, and then Sunday service with Dave Aranda. That would be a perfect weekend. But I really want to see um what the heck is Iowa State going to look like because they are kind of they were close last year to winning a good amount of games they finally beat Iowa they barely lost a bunch of big 12 games other than the TCU one where they got killed but they look close you thought maybe there's something with Hunter Deckers and it's been rumored for a while but now he's not with the program it I have no clue what's going to happen with this guy BYU I want to see Kenan Slovis and they also have a good running back transfer that I'm spacing on right now but I want to see what he looks like at quarterback because obviously they're losing Jaron Hall. It was kind of a disappointing season for them last year. I really want to see what uh, Slovis looks like with them. With OU, I want to see Emma Jones get fired. No. Um, for OU, have they learned to tackle? Do do their Does their defense actually have some guts this year? Um do they actually care, or are they just going to fold and be soft like they were last year? For Oklahoma State, it has to be Alan Bowman. Alan Bowman, he's a guy that he looked good early on at Tech. He looked really good, and then he regressed his next two seasons after that injury against OU, and then he went and sat on a bench for two years at Michigan instead of competing for a starting job at Tech. I really want to see what it looks like after two years of sitting on the bench. Hopefully he's healthier. I don't think it's going to work too well for them. For Texas, I want to see if Quinn Ewers can complete over 60% of his passes this year. I'm pretty doubtful that he can, but I really want to see it. And if he gets hurt or gets benched, I really want to see, is it Malik Murphy or is it Arch Manning coming in? For TCU, I kind of just want to see because they got a lot of transfers, but they lost a lot. Obviously, they have Chandler Morris. But I really want to see if Sonny Dykes is going to regress. And I kind of want to see, not so much on the field, but what does he do on the recruiting trail? Is he going to go all in on the transfer portal like we kind of think he is? Or is he going to try to build through high school and at least get 20 recruits a year through high school then supplement with the portal? Because it's really unknown at this point. For Baylor, this QB competition is going to be fun because I was super high on Blake Shapin last year. And the guy, you watched him against BYU and you just saw he couldn't do anything. And now against Tech, he had the best game of his career against Texas Tech and Lubbock last year. But for most of the season, he really didn't do much. Now you got that kid from Lubbock and Sawyer Robinson coming in from Mississippi State. I really want to see if that puts pressure on Blake Shapin. If Shapin struggles, how long is that leash for him? For Houston, 
Uh, it has to be Donovan Smith. I mean, that's an easy answer. I don't think Houston's going to be good this year. But I want to see how Donovan Smith develops as a quarterback because I I think he has a lot of good skills. I like rooting for the guy. I want to see can he get them to maybe even six wins this year and cement the starting job for next season. But that's going to do it for this podcast. Uh, we're over 30 minutes. Uh, Emma Jones uh, kind of annoyed me there and uh, got worked up, but appreciate y'all listening. Um, if y'all can, go ahead and uh, give it a rating and review. Uh, five-star rating. If you want to give it less than five stars, I have a better idea. My Twitter is at JacksonBig12. Uh, just tweet mean things at me. I much prefer that. Um, I can take it. So um, I appreciate y'all listening, and we are just over a month till football season, and wreck them.